New Testament reading for this week is from Hebrews uh, chapter 4. I think everybody knows the most uh, famous pass verse in that particular uh, in that particular passage. It's uh, Hebrews 4:12. So let me read it to you, and if um, it, and if you know it, say it along with me. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joins and marrow, and is able to judge or discern the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The verse, this verse affirms what we all know to be true, that God speaks through his written word in ways that are clear and to the point. The scriptures introduce us to the God of creation, to the word made flesh, to the spirit of God. The scriptures tell us about the God who intervenes and intercedes on our behalf. And so as you would expect, the Church of the Nazarene agrees and supports that understanding. It supports that statement in that passage. And the Church says so as much in its fourth uh, article of faith. And I know you have all of the articles of faith memorized. So it's your turn. Oh, well, okay. Uh, just in case, I'll give you some prompts here. So the church says, we believe in the plenary inspiration of the Holy Scriptures, by which we understand that the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments, given by divine inspiration, inerrantly revealing the, the will of God concerning us in all things necessary to our salvation, so that whatever is not contained therein is not to be enjoined as an article of faith. So all in favor, raise your hand. All in favor, raise both hands. Okay, just make sure. All right. Well, you know, I kind of expected that we'd all agree. And, you know, when I saw the scripture passage, I thought, oh, great. Um, we, can we, can, we can slam dunk this one because everybody's on that same page. We'll, um, we'll just move on to our prayers and praises and prayer requests, say amen, and get back to work. However, however, there's a word in verse 12 that gets in the way of our having one of the shortest chapels on record. And so somebody else will have to be able to do that, not us today. So the word that gets in the way of that kind of quick uh, thought, devotional thought, is the word for. Verse 12 begins with the word for. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So uh, why is the word for there? That's what got me, that's what got me tied up here. That's why we can't just move on. What does it mean when, when the verse begins with this word for? What, what was the author trying to say? Why does it begin that way? 
Well, it means that verse 12 is not the start of a new thought. So if you look in most translations of the scriptures, um, it's not unusual for the paragraphs that, they, uh, that the editors have placed um, to start with verse 12, for the word of God. So if you've got a text in front of you, you probably see it that way. But this verse is not a standalone text that testifies to the authority of Scripture, even though it does that. But verse 12 is part of an ongoing conversation that takes place during the whole chapter of Hebrews 4. And so the author is including the comments that are in verse 12 to support his overall argument that God means what he says. So what's the topic of Hebrews 4? I'm glad you asked. What is it that God was saying to the Hebrew, to the Hebrew Christians in the first century? And what is he saying to us today? So not going to take the whole the time to read the whole chapter. Um, do uh, find some time to do that uh, later on today. Uh, I encourage you to do that. But I think we can get the gist of the discussion uh, from just a few verses. And so I'm going to read uh, starting with verse 9. And so it'll, it'll create some context for us. Consequently, the author said, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let's make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we must answer. That's the word of the Lord. So did you hear it? The, the point of the passage, right there at the beginning of verse 9, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That's the point. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. God provides a rest for those who belong to him. Let me just stop there a second. Um, God provides a rest for those who belong to him. It's echoed in the words of Jesus to those that were standing around him that day when he said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. All in favor, raise your hand. 
All in favor, raise both hands. Absolutely, absolutely. There remains a rest for the people of God. And so the author says then, therefore, let's make every effort to enter into that rest. Let's make every effort. When you read the rest of the chapter, you'll find out that there were some people in that time who were forgetting that the rest was available to them. Or, or they were ignoring what God had offered to them and they were spending their time and energy and efforts on other things. Or they were getting weary, tired of waiting for the Lord to return and they started looking elsewhere. They didn't like their situation. The writer says that they were following the same example of disobedience. Whatever the case, and for whatever reason, they were trading the rest promised by God for something else. So the author includes verse 12 as a part of this whole longer discussion to remind them that God means what he says when he says what he means, that there is a requirement for entering the rest. It is resting in the rest. That there is no fooling God, that God can discern the thoughts and the intents of every heart. God knows who is and who isn't in right relationship with him. God knows who is and isn't in right relationship to enter into that experience of rest. So verse 12 is a part of an invitation and a warning. It's an encouragement and a caution for every Christian to believe and trust and rest in the Sabbath rest of God. And while he's talking about uh, a cessation, (laughs) I should have practiced that word, cessation of activity. Uh, This this is not shalom and this is not some other kind of lack of conflict. This This is a stopping of activity. He implies um, that not only is this true for the future, but it, it can be true for today. And we can live in the rest day to day as we rest in the rest uh, that God has promised us. And I think I just want to pause a minute. Um, I think it's important for us to just not pass this by and for us to consider um, reasons why someone might do this. Uh, certainly, um, certainly in the first, certainly in the first century, there was the threat of persecution, uh, people le- losing their lives and their homes and their families. Persecution that happens today and in, in, in many parts of the world. Um, there was there was the bone tired weariness of what it means to be to live on a subsistence level. Uh, 
for those of us that are um, on the other side of on the other side of 60, uh, we know that um, that our bodies and our minds don't function like they did 10 years ago. The, in the book of Revelation, it's not it's not a mistake that the seven letters all say, or the seven churches all are reminded that to him or to her who overcomes, they will receive. It's an intentional embrace on a regular basis to 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 rest, to rest in the rest. Uh, so I, I'm old enough to remember what a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. And the word and the word lean is key there. It's not to hold on to the everlasting arms. It's to lean on the everlasting arms. And God invites everyone who knows him and everyone who could know him and who will know, will know him and who might know him to lean on him, to rest in him, to rest in his rest. But there's also the caution too that um, it is better to be than to seem. Uh, Neil Wiseman said one time, it's always better to be than it is to seem because God's word is quick and far powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing and discerning. So Eugene Peterson paraphrased this passage of scripture this way. I think it, I think it helps. Uh, I, I, think, I think that paraphrase preaches um, and then we can just say amen. So the message puts it this way. So this is, a, this is still a live promise. This promise wasn't canceled at the time of Joshua. Otherwise, God wouldn't have kept renewing the appointment for today. The promise of arrival and rest is still there for God's people. God himself is at rest. And at the end of the journey, we'll surely rest with God. So let's keep at it. Let's keep at it and eventually arrive at that place of rest and not drop out through some sort of disobedience. So that's the encouragement from this passage today. Let's keep at it and eventually arrive at the place of God's rest. Stay faithful, trust in him. Reuben Welch wrote a book about the book, uh, about this uh, letter to the Hebrews and the title of that book is, when you run out of fantastic, persevere. That's what this, that's what this verse is saying to all of us today. We have reason to persevere because we are, we can be at rest with God. So my admonition to us today is let's rest in him today, tomorrow, and forever. All in favor, raise one hand. All in favor, raise both hands. Amen. <clears throat>